Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Wisdom Wednesday here at the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to dive into Proverbs chapter number 6. We're going to be starting off in verses 1 to 19 today, looking at some practical warnings that would be given by Solomon to his children and also to us today. Some practical warnings concerning uh, taking upon yourself others' issues, others' debt, to be specific, and uh, engaging yourself in the work that is before you. So, a couple of different things that we'll cover today, and good Lord willing, with some information from some other sources, we may be able to tie some of these things together and soak them down deep into our hearts and realize that God is indeed wise enough to be able to carry us through this life without question. So let's turn to him in prayer, asking our Lord for his blessing upon our time together, and then we'll dive into it. Father, we are grateful for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us today. We pray that you will watch over us and give us wisdom. Lord, in those areas where we've all struggled in the past, in those areas where we may still struggle in this moment, Lord, trying to understand, trying to receive of those things which you have given to us through Solomon and his writings here called the Proverbs. We pray that you will open our hearts, that the Holy Spirit will, will lead us unto understanding, and that you will provide everything that we need in order to be able to please you, follow you, and serve you well in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, let's get to it and start reading from verse number one. Like I said, we'll read down to verse number 19. In this place, we see the scripture says, and I'm going to be reading from the position of the English Standard Version so that you know the ESV. <clears throat> My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven of them are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, 
a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. As I look at this, I see that there are essentially three principal positions that we discover being shown in this practicality of wisdom. The first is not getting caught up in a neighbor's debt. The second is ensuring that you yourself uh, are, are diligent about the work that is given for you to do. And third is recognizing those things, those personal attributes that we could have within us that literally draw us to the first and second proposition, but that are within us that separate us from God, essentially, which are the things that God hates. So, in the first, we're going to take a look at the six things that God hates and the overarching accomplishment of seven things that happen to be abomination to him. Now, the word abomination is quite exciting. I love this word because in its Hebrew definition, this word is tueba. And tueba is, is a really exciting word because it, it recognizes like a spewing from the mouth. It, it recognizing actually kind of throwing up is, is what it comes down to. Um, it is very powerful. It's dealing with an abhorrence, an abhorrence to something specific as being idolatry. It's something hateful, disgusting. Like literally when Jesus refers to the church at Laodicea and he says, I would that you were hot or cold in Revelation chapter number three, he says, but you're lukewarm, and because of that, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. It's literally something that is an abomination to you. It's something that is so acute that when it it impacts your senses, like say your smell, you smell this thing or you taste this thing, it, it is so impulsively and immediately wretched to you that you just expel it. Rather, you you, you smell and you start coughing and you, you're blowing your nose and trying to clear that smell out of you or it makes you spew or, or you get that taste and as soon as it comes to the palate of, of the roof of your mouth, as soon as it touches to the tongue and it's a taste that is just, just absolutely wretched, that you explode and, and boom, it's gone. Uh, you've you've got to get rid of that that thing from you and that is what this word abomination means and so it's very important when he says these six things doth the lord hate and seven are an abomination to him when you, when you look at these things you're going to see that they are very disgusting things before the lord and the reason why we cover proverbs 6 from 16 to 19 before going back to Proverbs 6, 1 and working our way down is because when you look at verse number 1 and, and move down as becoming a surety for your, your neighbor, as becoming a, a, a security for your friend, this kind of envelops itself into those things that the Lord hates. Is because 
that that we we are effectively taking on another's debt when they themselves should be working they should be doing the things right now we have this situation that is existent inside of our nation and that is this this concept of debt forgiveness for for like the, the, what the president is currently trying to push really hard is is literally paying off uh, college debt, people going to college and, and racking up these hundreds of thousands in debt. And, and so they have debt forgiveness uh, kind of scenarios here. But of course, the person that has racked up that debt and they owe this amount of money, if the government steps in and just decides it's going to pay a huge chunk of that money for the person that owed it and be that surety for the person, then then that person's still going to have to pay for it. That Not only is that person going to have to pay for it, but all the rest of us who, who are working are going to have to pay for it because the government doesn't have any money. And it's very important for, for people to realize is that a government doesn't make any source of money on its own. A government is not like a private business where, where it creates a commodity that, that builds a demand and that people come and consume and that money is generated from the proceeds of, of whatever it was it was made. That's not how a government works. The government literally transfers money that it collects from its citizens into those plans and programs and, and, and other things. It, it doesn't ever make money. It literally just moves money. That's what a government ultimately is doing. So if the government is moving tax dollars to cover private debt, you, you heard that, right? If a government is, is taking tax dollars, taking money that from its overall citizens to cover the private debt of one person who should not have gone into debt, we've got this idea, well, everybody needs to go to college. But that's not true. Not everybody needs to go to college. There are plenty of opportunities that exist outside of college in this world today. There, there are tons of trades that, that are willing to hire people into apprenticeship programs that will literally give schooling to that person while they're working and gaining skill. And at the end of, of a journeyman's license that doesn't take but maybe three to four years to accomplish and the diligence of the person who's actually putting his hands to the labor of the trade, they can come out on the other side making between eighty dollars and $100,000 a year. And you say, well, you know, that's small change. Well, I would be pretty happy with that change, actually. So there, there are people who can do very well for themselves not having to go to college. There are a lot of different types of trade schools, a lot of different types of, of, of work that, that are out there. But we have this mindset, and I think the reason for the push of this mindset is because the university and colleges of the United States today is the principal place of indoctrination for this Marxist craziness and that this communist ideology that's coming out in our younger generations. Even, 
even to the point that you would have communism being spoken of favorably by Congress people in our own government when, when it wasn't but 30 years ago that we were still locked into a cold war against the communism of, of the USSR and, and, and dealing with the, the issues of, of communism and patriotism even then. So what, what in the world is happening here? And we discovered that that we've lost our way. So it's very important for us to understand what God hates so that we can look back into this chapter and see these attributes and the danger of them. So we start in verse number 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Now, this concept of the word hate, let's take a look at that because that's a very powerful word, isn't it? That concept of the word hate right there is sane. And this word in Hebrew is, is, means that these are things that become an enemy to God. These are things that are, that are a foe. They're, they're odious as a word that would be used in the definition here as concerning the Hebrew this is a word that that is very powerful. These things raise themselves up before God as being his enemies. And so what are they? These six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination. Now, seven is a number. Six is the number of man. Of course, we understand that from Revelation chapter number 13. It's the mark of the beast is the number of a man, but we understand that that the number 60 represents man. It's one less than being fully complete, but then the number seven, it represents completion. Now, as we understand the connection of the number seven being connected to God is representing the complete, the complete person, the complete and fullness of God's power, we also see the number seven as being the complete separation from God or a complete uh, destruction, complete wickedness. And so he says seven that are an absolute abomination to him. So the first one, haughty eyes. Very exciting word there. <coughs> Let's take a look at the word haughty eyes. Now this word is going to come as rune. And room, like like you're saying, the room next door is this word in Hebrew. It's the resh and the mem. Room is this word. It it means to be high or to actively raise or or lift up, to bring up or exalt. Uh, the the word that is used in the King James language, which is the word that is found directly in the definition of this word room, is proud. So you're dealing with a proud look, a haughty look, haughty eyes. You, uh, one that finds themselves as being greater than all the rest in the room. It was said one time by an individual, I either need to know more than everyone in the room or be close to the person who does know more than everyone in the room in order to be uh, seen as, as, as one elevated above the rest of the people. It's always being the go-to person that you're always going to have to, to seek after for wisdom. And this is haughty eyes. This is that proud look that was being referred to in, in the King James. It said a lying tongue. 
Number two, of course, we understand a lying tongue is one that can never be trusted. But by the way, these are the issues that are being dealt with in in the verses one through four. If you look up in verses one through through two, anyways, uh, certainly, let's see, well, one through five. My son, give, let's see, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, uh, your neighbor being the connection to the stranger, meaning you don't really know this person, but you're going to be willing to put money up for them. You're going to be willing to uh, cover their debt for them. You don't even really know them. You Are you sure you want to do this? This is what Solomon is saying. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, in other words, you, you say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. But then that I'll help you out has loan sharks showing up your door because this person said you were going to cover their debt. If you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, snared and caught being connected in, in the same thing here as it is a repetition of the, the same statement, just using two different words to connect them together like the neighbor and the stranger. This can be a very dangerous situation as somebody comes to you and they says, oh, please, you... You know, you have no idea who they are. You you've just uh, you've just met them a couple of days ago. You you, you spoke with them. They seem to be fairly pleasant people. Uh, you know, you got a brand new coworker that just showed up, and and they look a little tired, and they 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 just start pleading with you and say, "Please help me out. You got to help me out, man. I I need a friend right now. I I need some help. And you know, if you could just if you could just cover uh, this this shift, or if you could just cover this this uh, little bit of debt i owe some money if you could help me out with that you know and and that would be great and you you know you say yeah what what do you what do you owe and they they, they give you a story about you know $20 30 you break out your wallet you give them $20 $30 and then they they're coming right back at you because now they know they've got somebody who who has a soft heart and they they know that if they if they give the right story that they're going to get more money so they just keep coming back at you uh, talking about their woes maybe they actually get beat up by the people that they owe money to or maybe something actually like that happens and they're okay with that because that helps them sell the story to you even more so they just keep trying to sap you with more resources so that they don't have to own up to the issues that they have done so that that they can simply keep on in their addictions this happens a lot with gamblers this happens a lot with people who who become addicted to to betting and and all of those things and and thus they 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 end up just just living their lives being a government essentially never having any money always owing money and always taking from others that they know they can manipulate in order to be able to cover the debts that they dig themselves deeper into and so that it, it comes to this place where we find ourselves even before our own government where you hear a lot of people nowadays trying to figure out exactly how to do what verse number three is telling you you know if you're caught by the words of your mouth if you're snared by the, by these things then you've got to come to the hand of your neighbor you've got to plead with them urgently you got you can't give sleep to your eyelids or slumber or save yourself like a 
a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler, uh, constantly trying to make make ways where you can sell your point to be able to to not be harmed anymore. And of course, the government's trying to do that in order to be able to keep justifying why it's taking all of your money and and spending it on the most frivolous and stupid things that that could possibly be spent and and then raising your taxes and knowing that you're going to be upset about this and seeking means by which they can speak to you on public engagements to try and make you feel better about the idiocy that they're doing and in the same vein, the people are pleading with with their governments to to be set free from the insanity, just like we see here in Proverbs chapter number six, from verses one to five. I mean, it's it's a two edged sword that's happening in our nation today. And what does God hate? I mean, this is important for us to understand. What does God hate? What what is an abomination to Him? Eyes that lift a person up, the the pride of a person, plain and simple. But this is connected. The haughty eyes, the lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood fall into this category. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so that we understand in, in 1 John chapter number 2 from verses 15 to 17, we understand that there is the connection between these two things, and this is exactly what's happening in our nation. <clears throat> Those that would jump on the television with haughty eyes, sp- just spewing out lies with a lying tongue, and ultimately shedding innocent blood, all in the guise of, of what was taking place in verses 1 to 5, and becoming a surety for a friend. Look at verse 18 and it tells us a heart. This is this word heart. I just want to we're going to do a Hebrew word study on this word heart. It's very important for you to understand. This word heart is lev. In Hebrew it's very simple. It's it's two consonants connected lev. And it's it's the lamed and the bait that come together. And and in this word it is dealing with the intellect. It's dealing with your will. It's, it's dealing with that part of you that is eternal, created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, it is also referred to, it is a word that is referred to in the New Testament, for instance, Romans chapter number 12, as, as the mind, as being referred to not conforming unto this world in verse number 2, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind to what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. But it's also referred to as your heart, as being made recognized here in verse number 18, as being spoken of again by Jeremiah in chapter 17, saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. He's not talking about that organ that sits in your chest underneath your rib cage that's pumping blood to all the parts of your body because that is a simple muscle with four chambers. It does not have any any authority to anything outside of your life (laughs) keeping you alive. So it's very important to understand that when we're dealing with the issues of the heart, when we're dealing with this place in verse number 18 of Proverbs 6, we're dealing with the intellect of man. 
with the way that he reasons, with the way that he thinks. And so that I say that most of us would stand in trouble, and some of us may still stand in trouble every day, because there are a multitude of thoughts that go through our hearts every day. There's a multitude of things that we think about that we would never do, that we would most likely never say, and that, that we would never reveal because we know the destructive nature of those things that we might be thinking. We, we know the dangers of, of the loss of friends. We know the fights that could ensue. We know the war that could break out. We know, we know the devastation of our own lives that could happen. So there are a lot of things that we think about throughout any given day that we would never act upon, that we would never say. Sometimes you'll 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 see a person that's sitting there and and they're not they're not saying anything. They're they're just sitting there and then they chuckle. And you ask them, you say, Well what was that about? What was so funny? And they say, Oh, don't worry about it, it's nothing. It's because they had a thought that came to them. And whatever the generation of that thought was, rather they can't say it in the public setting that you might be in because of the lewdness of the thought, very possibly, or because the person that per, person or persons that might be in the area is what that thought was about that made you chuckle. But of course, you don't want to say anything out loud to a person that's inquiring about this because you don't want to offend or upset the, the chuckled event from the other person. So you just keep it to yourself. But it's important to understand that the thought was already generated, that, 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 that you literally brought this thing into existence. And by the way, that's where God's judging man. It's not in the outward activities that man is being judged, but in those places and recesses of the heart, in those thoughts that are happening, that they, that they give consideration to with, without, without ever saying anything. You may never say anything, but God sees that. And that's what he's saying here. A heart that devises wicked plans. Those plans that have been come up with that no one is that no one knows, no one's heard, no one's been informed about, those plans that that would be considered and possibly acted on without any notice whatsoever. He says, feet that make haste to run to evil. <laughs> feet that make haste to run to evil. Well, guys that that's what that neighbor was doing that's what that stranger was doing making haste to run to evil by snaring you in the difficulties that they're having because instead of taking the personal responsibility of that which they owed in themselves then then they just rely on everyone else to dig them out of their their issue bail them out of their problems only to increase in the nature of their problems because they didn't have to face the responsibility of it in the first place i think this is another scenario that's happening in in different places in the country i've seen a couple of different uh news articles about this uh, in the last day or two and it's dealing with the the moratorium on on the the 
rent protections or what is it, the foreclosure and eviction notices from being able to be served because at the onset of COVID, granted, all, everything closes. No, the, the, the whole nation doesn't have an opportunity in, in a lot of ways to be able to go to work. Millions of people are put out of jobs. The government steps in to save the day by taking money that they did not generate but are only just redistributing. That's all they're doing. When, when they elevate the unemployment insurance protections, but of course they've made it really, really, really difficult to be able to get into unemployment insurance as well in a lot of different places for when that pandemic hit, everybody didn't have money. The, the, the creditors were still expecting money to be paid to them. Uh, they weren't going to stop simply because people couldn't work. In fact, they went into overdrive because now we're going to be able to secure assets. We're going to be able to foreclose and, and, and we're going to be able to, to own all of this stuff. Well, well, People are getting squeezed. They're not able to get this unemployment insurance that they were told that they were going to be able to get. They were, there was a lot of empty promises that were going all over the place. And, and so there was need for a protection to be, be kept from being evicted from their properties that they were living in because they were forced out of work. But then we come to 2021 and, and this moratorium is placed. People are protected. They can no longer be threatened with eviction even though they're not paying their rent, even though they're not paying on a mortgage, even, even though they're not, they're not paying up a penny towards that which they owe. They cannot be evicted. The government will not allow for evictions to take place. So these people essentially have the ability now to freeload. They, they could just live at this place worry-free because the, the owners cannot do anything against them. So they're, they're, let's say, making this unemployment insurance now, but they're not paying their, their rent that they owe because they know that their, their, renter, the the person who owns the properties, cannot evict them. So they're making this this income now from being unemployed, but they, they're not paying what they owe in in taking care of the debts that they voluntarily acquired because they know that there are protections from the government that are that are keeping them from from being evicted so they've got this money that they're able to spend on whatever frivolous things without worrying about apportioning a section of that for for covering debts that they have and and so they, they could play the fool but now that moratorium has recently uh, come up and and the the bill is now due and the persons have had three stimulus payments uh, everybody in the nation under what 400,000 or some ridiculous amount of money uh, has gotten a stimulus check so they've got their stimulus payments they get these advanced child care tax credit payments they get they get this unemployment insurance that has been elevated and kept elevated for forever 
and and so you would think that there would be some money that would be there to be able to have been covering debt as they have been able to do but people are starting to get evicted and and even to the states now that are trying to cover an eviction protection plan because their citizens have been irresponsible with their money their citizens have been irresponsible in in paying their debt and now the the, the state government is the federal government is lifting its moratorium the state governments are trying to raise a moratorium to to provide protections to irresponsible people when are people going to have to face the responsibilities that they have you cannot take out a loan and then not expect to have to pay it you, you cannot borrow and expect that there won't be an expectation of return and here's the kicker people if you are truly christian <laughs> this is where i'm gonna get in trouble if you are truly christian then you will respect the loan that you have taken you will pay that back you you will respect the the rent that you owe for the roof over your head and you will be faithful to paying that rent you you will take responsibility for those things that you owe you will, you will be a responsible person for you know that in paying that which you owe and in caring for those things that you have been blessed with, that you are honoring God in doing so. And that to not pay and to not cover the, the debt that you owe is to disrespect God and to cause God to have have a marginal view in the eyes of those to whom you have slighted so you you certainly are not finding christians as being those that that would now uh panic and complain and and whine about the 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 foreclosures and the evictions that are popping up by the thousands every day since the moratorium has lifted is because all that time a christian as they were able to do so i know that everybody was stuck in the same situation for a few months anyways but the christian as they received that stimulus would pay on the debt that they owed instead of gratifying the, the desires of their flesh. And if indeed the money was kept back because they cannot do anything to me, the government is protecting me, then, then you are not a child of God, but a child of the government. You are desiring your protections of man from the government's perspective, not God. It's, it's wild, isn't it? He says... Haughty eyes as we covered, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. <laughs> Every breath they take, another lie is coming out of their mouth. 
<clears throat> and one who sows discord among brothers. Well, take a look back up just a little bit and, and consider the warning of the ant. Remember the ant? This is one of those most popular places that are being referred to in, in Proverbs as concerning the work ethic of the believers, the work ethic of a person in general, as we would find those among us who would be lazier than others, that we would bring them directly to this place. As children, you're, you're expecting the room to be clean, and you show up, and they got involved in playing with their toys and not doing what you told them to do. Often, this scripture is going to come out of people's mouths when it comes to the ethic of work that is being applied. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, looking into the ant. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, which isn't necessarily all the way true, Solomon, because they do have a queen. And and the the ants that go forth in, in their endless labor go forth at the beckoning of their queen. And you know the queen ant is the ant that has wings. And just like bees where you have a queen bee and then all of the drones or the workers that are going to be out there tirelessly working to be able to satisfy the, the needs of the queen, so also with an ant colony, that, that when the queen has arrived, the ants begin to build the, the, the nest and the, and the workers begin to go and to harvest and to bring in all things that are necessary for the queen to be able to continue the production of, of little ants so that you, you can have a replacement crew when the other crew gets old and passes. Well, needless to say, that Solomon is referring to the fact that they don't require any chief, officer, or ruler, but that the ant prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant is a diligent servant and a diligent worker that does not make complaint for the work that is necessary to be done, but simply does the work because it is what's necessary in order to survive and is at its peak of joy when in the midst of the work. And so Solomon would go forth and he would say, How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Makes me wonder if he's dealing with a teenager who's in the bed. <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning or at noon uh, makes me wonder if Solomon is uh, questioning the, the activities of his children that didn't ever have to work or labor for anything in their life because their dad happens to be uh, the king of the entire uh, people group of Israel. He happens to be of such an elevation in his royalty that that other kings from all over the world are coming to, to sit in the midst of him and just bask in the glory of this king of Israel known as Solomon. These, these children have never had to work for anything and have always had anything and everything that they've ever wanted so that they've never had to lift a finger. So needless to say, Solomon is curious about these kids as he would say, how long is it going to take you to get up? He says, look, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. This is, this is in, in my estimation, a means by which Solomon would put a little uh, sarcasm to his point of verse number 9, is how long are you going to sleep, you sluggard? And he says, 
you get a little sleep, a little slumber, you know, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty is going to come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, Solomon would understand what he's saying here because the very son that takes the throne in his place is going to come to a position of division with, with a servant that would be in his household. And at that division, you're going to have the situation where ultimately they're going to be a conquered people, where even the person that used to be the king sitting in the lavish luxuries of a palace with all the gold and silver and precious stones you could dream of is ultimately going to be in tattered rags right alongside of the beggar that he used to rule over because the new king of the new land that comes into play, such as Babylon over Judea or Assyria over Israel, the northern kingdom, um, you don't get to play king anymore. You become a worthless person, a wicked man, going about with a crooked speech. Imagine that. Winking your eyes, signaling with your feet, pointing with your finger, with a pervert heart, perverted heart that devises evil and continually sows discord. Oh, there's so many people there. A calamity is going to come upon you suddenly. In a moment, it will be broken beyond healing. Father, we pray that you would give us wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for it. Some of these things may be entirely over our heads. I know I'm in that place right now, too. I understand some of the concepts that you have given. But in many ways, Lord, uh, as understanding these concepts, the means by which to apply the concepts are what is needed. Father, we need your help through the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to know how to apply that which we have received that we may be able to correct the direction of the ship that we are in as the United States. Lord, it takes the voice of a people for this this nation used to be by the people, of the people, and for the people, but it seems to have changed in, in the centuries, Lord, as well as the, the recent decades. So we pray that you will give wisdom to this people that receive this message today, that we may begin considering the ways which we may come together to correct the direction of this nation, because it will not come from the government and its correction. It must come from the people who will correct it. We'll give you thanks and praise for all that you do in us, with us, and through us as we find our way in Christ Jesus the rest of this day. Amen. All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow for the the work that we're doing in the letter to Philemon. And we'll give consideration to these powerful things we get back into Proverbs 6 next Wednesday on verse number 20 going forward. So till then, God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. And we'll see you afters. <music>